It's Wednesday, the 22nd of September, 2021, and you're listening to episode 35 of Reds Unrestricted. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Dan Club, and also uh, from all the way in Australia, Samuel Cox. Uh, I hope you're both well, fellas. I hope you both enjoyed the victory last night. Before we get into that, though, we're going to uh, play our usual game of who am I uh, to kick us off. So pretty standard. I'll just give clues as to the identity of a random Liverpool player and you just kind of chip in when you think you know it. All right, so I'm 28 years old. I joined Liverpool in 2013. I made 12 appearances for the club, so clearly wasn't too involved. I left Liverpool in 2016 after two spells out on loan. I'm an attacking midfielder. This is now getting into the, I think you should get a territory. Luis Alberto? It is Luis Alberto, yeah. Well well played. The subsequent clues were I'm Spanish and Liverpool have a sell on clause, (laughs) 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 which which is getting into really obvious. I was going to say, we should have had had Sam on last week. He was having cool last week. Oh, Oh, what's it? Yeah. I would have got that one pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Luis Alberto's turned into a, a good player, isn't he, I think. A, a yeah, he's a jetty in Italy. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm hoping the salon clause kicks in at some point. But anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll move on to uh, looking at the, the Norwich game last night. Obviously, Liverpool won 3-0. And as usual, we will kind of Offer our immediate reaction in the form of a three-word match review. Um, Samuel, as the guest, I'll let you go first on this. What have you kind of come up with? Well, I was going to go with squad mentality monsters. Out of sort of fringes of the team and the squad, they look like a really, it was a really solid performance by some lesser lights and some young kids. All right, great stuff. Dan, what did you have? Um, I was going to be absolutely shameless and go with Never Doubted Divock. But um, <laughs> I, I opted against that, and I actually went with Perfect Night's Work. Um, because similar to what Sam said, that's what I want from us in the domestic cups. I know we're going to look into the cups a little bit in a second, but I want us to go far or progress, and I want us to use the squad players and get important minutes into them, and that's what we did last night. So, And obviously the kids come in, you know, Connor Bradley, Kate Gordon, and got debuts and game time so yeah I thought it was mm. apart from Naby Keita kicking grass and getting injured I thought it was pretty perfect well we'll hopefully yeah, cover I, a few of the, the talking points you uh you raised there sorry Sam did you want to say something no I was just gonna say it was really impre- impressive really at the the, first, the beginning as well like I, I, they looked really on from the start um for, for like a sort of bit part team I think it was good yeah definitely you could see kind of the coaching principles that had filtered through really and I think on, on the cater injury, I I watched Klopp's uh, interview after we started recording and he certainly, he, he says that he thinks he got to carry it on. So hopefully that doesn't prove to be too much of an issue, even though it is sort of classic cater. Um, for my three-word review, I went with um, Rabona penalty save. Um, obviously, <laughs> Keller uh, keeping out that uh, penalty from, from Zala shortly before half-time. I think that was obviously 
you know the key moments in the match because you know going in at one one um would have been very different but I think at that point Norwich just uh, kind of knew that it wasn't going to be their night and there was just a, a strange sense that um every time they went forward we just never really felt like they were going to score no matter how promising the situation was and defensively they're really really poor you know some of the space that's afforded in the box is is quite alarming so I think Norwich's you know weaknesses glaring weaknesses in both boxes made it um a pretty comfortable evening all told and yeah on Calera um I really like him like him more and more as a uh, backup goalkeeper I think he swept up really well yesterday. You know, his his authority is kind of growing by the game. You know, he, he makes the error leading up to the penalty. I think you know he could certainly have done better with the shot uh, that came his way, but then he uh, he redeems himself with that that little adjustment to uh, to make the the pretty skillful save. So let's um, kind of talk about the the cup competitions then, in I suppose a more general way. Um, the funny thing about the League Cup is you win one game and all of a sudden you're one victory from the quarterfinals. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday morning, so we don't know who we've got in the draw yet. So obviously that will kind of determine the maybe the strength of the lineup, things like that. But Dan, how bothered um, are you about the cup competitions this season? It's kind of a, a question we ask every year because there's this balance, isn't it, between um, you know obviously wanting to win trophies and and kind of boosting Klopp's trophy count, I suppose, but also protecting the most important and best players for the, you know, clearly bigger games. Yeah, it is a balance. Um, and a lot of it comes down to luck, um, if I'm going to be honest. I was thinking about this, obviously, in preparation. I wrote a few things down. Like, I think the squad depth, as we've seen last night, is a little bit better than we all kind of were worried about during the summer. I think if you look at, we've got five you know, good quality centre-backs there. Seven, even eight centre midfielders when you include Tyler Morton. This is all fully fit, obviously. And then six slash seven, you know, forwards when you include the likes of Minamino and Origi. So there is the squad depth to go far there. But I think the luck comes into play, one, with injuries and two, um, draws, which haven't been kind to us over recent years. And I know we get chastised for mentioning that as Liverpool fans, but... You know, we tend to draw Premier League opposition away in the third round of these competitions like we just did. Um, but moving forwards, I hope we do take it seriously. Um, and I'm not suggesting that we haven't done, but it's definitely been a... A Klopp didn't even turn up to one of the League Cup games. It's definitely been um, a non-plus nature towards the domestic cups in the past few years. And at the start, you know, before we won the Champions League and the Premier League, I didn't mind. I thought that was probably the right way to go. But now we've won those two things and we've got a squad fit to compete, in my opinion, on all four fronts. I really want to see us go for the FA Cup more, if I'm honest. But if we can go deep in both of them and potentially, you know, get to a final one of them, I'd be made up because I am a bit of a traditionalist and I really like the Cups, again, especially the FA Cup. But listen, I don't want it to impact the first team necessarily, and even for Cater playing last night was a little bit of a risk, if I'm honest. But if we can manage it and we can, you know, not play the likes of Salah, Mane, etc. until later on in the competition, then I'd be made up if we can go, you know, really deep. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think um, I think I'm right in saying we haven't really had a, 
a run close to the final in a cup competition since 16-17 when we got yeah. beat by Southampton in the, in the semi-finals of the League Cup. So, you know, some would argue that for a club of Liverpool stature, that isn't really good enough. And I've seen it, I've seen it kind of pointed out that you can't win either the Premier League or the Champions League every year. Um, so you shouldn't really be turning your nose up at the FA Cup and League Cup. Samuel, what, what are your thoughts on this? I think with the League Cup, you know, it is it is what it is a bit. It's uh, I, I, I'm pretty happy with the the focus. Uh, obviously, you know, you'd like to go further, but um, I do like you know seeing some of the squad depth, seeing some of the younger players. Like that is what I enjoy about it. And um, yeah, it is in the Premier League and Champions League. Are just they are they do just they are just so much more important these days. It's hard to. Hard to justify um, putting as much effort or a, a stronger team into these games. So yeah, I understand it from that perspective. I find like with watching the second string, like you know, weaker team, I, it can be on a night like uh, the Norwich game, like it, it can be um, you know really really rewarding and exciting. But then if it goes the other way, where it looks a bit dysfunctional, um, <laughs> and you end up losing, yeah, it does. Does uh, I mean, you move on pretty quickly though. But yeah, I think I'm I'm alright with the approach that they take with them. Yeah, so am I. To be honest, I think the way to do it is make the changes. Say to say to these players, look, we're trusting you to get us to the the sharp end of the competition. And if you you know if you can get us there, then maybe at that point you start to consider you know throwing in one or two of your you know your best players to try and get get you to the final. Um, and obviously it's the trophy, but um. Yeah, as you say, I think Dan mentioned it, you know, when Casey played and stuff. I think if realistically, whilst there is that desire there to win the trophies, you really don't want to be putting any, you know, of the most important players in the firing line, I don't think. And I think if you were to look back and, and say, you know, was it worth it if a player was to get injured, you'd, you'd definitely say no. Um, but let's look at some of the individual performances and main individual token points from last night. Obviously, the, the natural place to start is with uh, Minamino, who scored, scored two goals. So, Samuel, I'll come to you on Minamino. How much encouragement should we take from, from that performance? Obviously, Premier League opposition, but uh, very weak Premier League opposition at the same time. I think we take... Yeah, I, I think when you put it together with his pre-season form, which was really good, at the, in the, particularly in the last game... Um, I think it'd be it's it's hard to see him pushing past like I'd say you know who would who would be the bottom out of the front three Jota. It's hard to see him pushing past Jota, but I think he could definitely play a role, and he's he's definitely getting the goals. Um, and as I, I saw Pep Linders say that he has a bit of a knack for getting one on one with a keeper, and even though they weren't traditional one on ones, like both his shots were. By the time he took the shot, it was a you know, that was just him and the goalkeeper there. So he is, I don't know, he's quite a clever player and he's still developing, obviously. I think, I think Clav is a, a kind of a, a good description. You know, you'd often watch him and think he could do it maybe a bit more physicality, mm. perhaps, obviously. Um, you know, the Premier League has his reputation of being, ex, you know, exceptionally physically demanding. Dan, one thing, I mean, I mean, um, I think the Chelsea game, he was uh, available on the bench, obviously 1-1 mm. chasing the game. Klopp didn't bring him on. I think he brought on. Um, I want to say, was it a left back? So be made towards yeah, the end of the we game. Did, uh, Robertson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and obviously leaves Minamino on the bench. Do you think 
when we do need a goal or you know we're chasing a win or chasing a draw in a game, do you think Minamino should be a player that Klopp looks to? Because ultimately, that is what you need from players who are going to be providing attack and depth. It, it, it is, but I really struggle with that notion, to be honest, purely based on what we've already seen from him. Like, I was encouraged by last night, I was, but I still don't think, for instance, you mentioned the Chelsea game there, I still can fully understand why Klopp didn't turn to him, because I just don't see him coming on. And it's the physicality thing more than anything, from my point of view, because when you're looking to change a game, I would go a different direction with it. I'd almost rather see Origi come on because I think he offers something a little bit different. Like we probably would have been talking about Minamino for Jota at that stage. And I'm not sure, you know, you are getting that different sort of approach from that. I think you're getting a, a very similar, clever type player without really mixing things up. Um, so I'm not sure Minamino is the answer in that situation in particular. Having said that, I think the encouragement I got last night came from the fact that he clearly is of a good enough level to play against the likes of Norwich and above, which might be a little bit harsh, but that's where he is right now in terms of his Premier League development. Um, we've seen flashes when he went to Southampton. You know, he scored against Chelsea, so my whole argument's kind of blown out the water, but his overall Premier League form hasn't suggested that he is the man to change a game against, you know, your title rivals necessarily. Um, but in terms of moving forward with him, I think... Games, I mean, against Palace last year, he started away. We won 7-0. I think he opened the scoring. They're the sort of games I can see him having an impact on, which is great because we need that those options and that depth. But in terms of changing big games, not for me just yet. So maybe better seen as a, a rotational option um, against weaker sides than necessarily a game changer, yeah. That's probably yeah, definitely, a, yeah. a fair outlook on it. Samuel, do you want to add something on that? I was just going to say, or, or if there's an in, you know, there could be a serious injury one of the front three, then in that situation, he's really useful. Um, it's hard to see him pushing one of them out of the team at the moment, but yeah, come January as well, that that's obviously going to be a factor, you know, potentially only for two or three games. But um, with, with Afcon, I think you know, he'll be obviously vying for a starting role then. Um, let's uh, move on to the other scorer. Divock Origi. I want to get your thoughts on um, what I thought was quite a strange tweet from uh, from James Pearce. Because um, he, he said, you know, Origi, golden and assist tonight, following on from the assist against Milan last week, breathing new life into his Liverpool career and silencing keyboard warriors in the process. Dan, I'll stay with you on this. Um, I guess there's a couple of things to unpack there. There's, mm. Is it too soon to say breathing new life? Um, and also... I think the keyboard warriors thing is fair. So, yeah, I actually wrote down steady on with the uh, Breathing New Life reference because it does feel too soon. And I've been, you know, suitably impressed with his last two performances. And I was made up for him because I've been quite critical of his role within the squad um, over the last few months. But I think he's been good. I think he's good last night. I think he's good against Milan. But to suggest that, you know, he's it's transformed his Liverpool career almost, or, you know, he's on the way to doing that. I think he's a little bit premature. Uh, I think he's some way off that yet. Um, I mean, in terms of the keyboard warriors thing, everyone's always happy when they're silenced regardless. So I'm, I'm more than made up with that. And, you know, if that's what James Pierce believes, then, then great. But I do think it's a little bit over the top, generally, to be honest. I think it's a bit of a... 
Um, an impassioned reaction to what's been hundred, not even 180 minutes of football because he came off against Milan. So, yeah, a little bit soon for, for those sort of tweets. I will say on that as well is his only goal last season came in the League Cup against Lincoln. I think he played, you know, 17 games across across all sort of competitions. So if you take that in mind, that was at the same stage, that was third round. So he now has matched what he did last season with an assist on top. So before we start getting carried away, he's got to improve on that, hasn't he, from this point on. So, yeah, it's a strange tweet, really. But at the same time, you know, obviously he was kind of sticking up for him and defending him. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. I completely agree on the idea that it's too soon to say it's kind of revitalised. The keyboard warriors thing I find a little bit a little bit strange. There's, I mean, this might be worth a, a podcast in itself, potentially, but there is a real split, um, which I'm sure you both noticed on Liverpool Twitter at the moment. Um, I, I'm going to shy away from using top reds and bottom reds <laughs> um, as a phrase. But... Um, but yeah, I think it kind of exemplifies that in a way. Um, I think it, it's it's strange to to take to use that kind of language though when, as you say, Origi struggled so much last season, and there were a lot of people who who agreed that, not least James Pearce himself, who agreed that he needed to be upgraded. Um, Samuel, a word on a word on Origi from you? Yeah, I, I think he was. I to be honest, this performance was not. It was more. Probably what I'd expect from him. I was really impressed with him against Milan. Against Milan. Just because I thought I saw him doing things that the way he was linking the play together, it was almost like a more in a Firmino type role, um, which I didn't think he was sort of capable of doing. So that was, I did think that was quite a surprising performance. Um, whereas this one, he uh, was good, but it was sort of, you know, in a lower quality game, I suppose you'd expect him to be do what he did to some extent. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't mind the, the tweet from James Pierce. Yeah. He's, he's sticking up from a bit, I guess. Um, I guess people do the short memories, um, in football and, you know, Origi had, he, there was a serious drop off in form last year from him, but again, like, a bit like Minamino, he's, he's still someone that's improving. Um, he's not at that age where he's a finished product, even, even now. So, I think write, write someone off like that at your peril to some degree. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing is the, there's more energy. It's kind of intangible, but there's more energy. There's more kind of, I don't want to say desire because that's probably too harsh, but he looks like he's, you know, much more determined to, to make an impact than last season when, you know, we kind of allowed games to pass him by or at least that's how it looks. So he's, you know, kind of found some sort of renewed motivation. Um, I, I want to move on to to Brentford in a second, but before that, um, just a word on the uh, obviously we had three uh, debutants last night: um, Kate Gordon, Connor Bradley, and, and Tyler Martin. Uh, Dan, thoughts on how they did? Yeah, I was really impressed. I know Connor Bradley. You know, you've mentioned Kelleher at fault for the penalty, but obviously it's Bradley that's involved heavily as well. Um, but aside from that, I thought he was really confident. He played with. Um, a confidence that you wouldn't really expect of a lad that age, you know, filling in for Trent Alexander-Arnold slash James Milner right back. I thought he was outstanding. Um, same with Tyler Morton when he came on. I thought really composed, you know, good option. I've been impressed with him a few times. Um, so, yeah, again, really solid performance. Um, but Cade Gordon, I mean, we're talking a lad two years younger than those teenagers. 
Um, and I know he might not have flourished like we probably hoped, um, but for a kid of 16, I mean, he had that one moment where he cut inside and was actually quite unfortunate to miss the target because if that finds the bottom corner, then we're having a completely different conversation this morning. Um, but yeah, outstanding that lad's going to be, I think. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do. But generally, yeah, I thought all three of them did themselves um, a hell of a lot of credit last night. Yeah, I think the thing with Gordon is, you know, you could look at it and and say on paper, or maybe they're just kind of, you know, giving him a run out, you know, experimenting or whatever. But he looked, he looked ready. He looked, you know, he's at the level to be playing cup matches for Liverpool, and he's only he's only sixteen. Um, I think there was Klopp said in in one of his interviews that Gordon thanked him um, at the end of the game, obviously saying, you know, thanks for the opportunity, but. And then Klopp kind of replied, you know, for what you earned it, and and you know he did, and he, he showed that. Um, obviously went close a couple of times, made a really nice through ball to Rigi, so could have had an assist as well. So really good from him, you know. Obviously the praise for Tyler Moss is justified as well. Slightly trickier night for for Connor Bradley, um, certainly in a, in a defensive sense, but you know he's eighteen, and you know there was just a couple of moments of you know concentration, slight rashness. I think you'd back him to kind of you know, iron out of his game. We'll look at um at Brentford now. Um obviously half five kickoff on Saturday. So as usual, we're gonna get the prepared lineups in and also some predictions of how the game's gonna go and what the score is gonna be. Um so let's start with lineups. Um Samuel I'll let you go first. One player I want you to, to kind of focus on here is is Curtis Jones played well yesterday. Um, maybe a reminder of his quality. Would you have him in your in your team? Depend. Yeah, he could easily be in. It's it's that midfield is you probably yeah. I'm expecting to be Fabinho, Henderson, and then that that other spots either Cater or Jones. I would imagine. Um, I suppose it depends what's going on with Cater. It is. I think we have. I think we have forgotten about how good he is to an extent. But that's you know just because we haven't seen him much this year yet. Um, and, he, and when we have, it's been feeling it a bit more higher up the field yeah, in an attacking position. But he is, I mean, last year was amazing from him, really, the way he, he just seamlessly slipped into midfield, having not played much the year before. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see if he does play. Um, he's certainly got the ability to, to, do, to have a dominant game. And what have you gone with for the uh, back five and the attack? Uh, I imagine it will be back to the the more usual sort of team we've had this year with Robertson, Van Dijk, Maddox, and Alexander Arnold at the back, and Mane, Jota, and Salah as the front three. Yeah, I've got um, I guess. pretty much identical to you. I've got also Cater slash Jones for that for that third spot. To kind of follow up on that, what changes would you be looking at making for the uh, Porto game? Because um, this will be, by the time we next record, we'll have already had that game. So, interesting to kind of maybe look ahead to that. Obviously, sandwich between Brentford and obviously a massive game against Man City. So, what kind of uh, tweaks do you think Klopp should make to the lineup in midweek? I think there'll be a fair few changes. Possibly, I mean, Simicus has been in amazing form. He will, If he doesn't play on the weekend, he'd imagine he'd play against Porto. Um Depending on yeah, I, I suppose the two the left Alexander Arnold as well the two you know the left back and the right back are as de- 
pretty demanding position. So you'd imagine they might try and give them a rest, but in there, but yeah, we'll see. Other than that, um, a bit of rotation in the midfield. I don't, I, I don't know. It's hard to see. Um, Aregi possibly could start again, but it's hard to see Mane and Salah not playing. They're pretty, they're pretty much machines when it comes to big games. So, I, I'd probably, you know, expect both of them to keep their place for that one. Um, I reckon for me, they'll get to substitute appearance this weekend, um, and then probably start to get away at Porto if, if he's ready, um, and yeah, probably I'd have maybe Milner coming into midfield, assuming he's over what seems like illness that kept him out yesterday, um, and probably one of Canate or Gomez coming in alongside Van Dijk this time, rather than um, Van Dijk being rested against Porto. So that would be the kind of um, selection plan I'd be looking at going into City. I was just going to ask what the uh, Firmino, yeah. Is, uh, is he available for the weekend, or is it for Porto, you were saying? Well, the impression the impression that they've given us is that he's going to be returning to full training um, pre-Brentford. So I would have thought, you know, maybe 30 minutes he's... against Brentford and then maybe hopefully be ready for uh, for the Porto game. Okay. But Dan, same questions to you. Is Jones in your mm-hmm. 11 and what kind of changes would you be looking at um, from Brentford into Porto? Yeah, so funnily enough, um, similar to yourselves, really. I, I got the same 11, but I did also have a Cater slash Jones in there. Um, based on last night, really, I was really impressed with Curtis Jones. And I think, you know, we have kind of slept on him a little bit, maybe, as Liverpool fans. But I put that down to um, Harvey Elliott in many ways because I think we were all really impressed with Jones last year. And he was kind of the new kid on the block, you know, this attacking midfielder, fearless, etc. Obviously scored the goal in the derby previously, and we thought, here we go. And then Harvey Elliott appeared this season, and I think we thought, okay, maybe Elliott's the one. Um, and Jones kind of got pushed to one side a little bit. But in um, Elliott's absence, Jones looks like he might come to the fore again, which is good news. Um, but yeah, in terms of team, exactly the same as you boys, I don't foresee any sort of major changes for Brentford. I think we'll go what is our current full strength with Thiago sidelined and Firmino. I think Firmino's sort of back in training already. I just don't think he's quite ready to start this game. So, um, And as for Porto, I envisage very similar changes to you guys as well. Um, maybe even throw a Minamino in there um, or an Origi for that matter. Because I really do. I think this is, I think the Porto games actually are the games he'll rotate most for because difficult matches, 100%, and must win games, as I mentioned previously on the part. I think the two Porto matches are really, you know, <clears throat> important to get six points from. But if he's going to rotate in this Champions League group, for me, it's against them twice. So I can foresee your Milner, Simicass. Um, Minamino, Origi, Jones, all those sort of players, and centre-backs as well, Canati and Gomez even, featuring um, against them in midweek. I think you might be right on that one. Obviously, it's about finding that line between, you know, weakening the team too much, Porto. Seemed like they outplayed Atletico um, in the first game, um, but whether that's just Atletico, who seems to have had a slightly slow start, to the season, or whether that's Porto, you know, showing that they're not going to be a pushover in, in this group. Um, I suppose we'll see. Um, but you know, looking back at Brentford, let's get some um, kind of predictions, impressions of how the game's going to go. 
quick update on the uh, predictions table from last week. Marginal gains for Dan, who said 4-1, so gets two points for the three-goal margin. Um, I said 3-1, so one point there. And our guest, Farrell, said 2-0, so one point to him also. So it's myself on nine, the guests are on six, and Dan is on five, so it's closed the gap slightly there. Samuel, what's your score prediction and how highly do you rate Brentford based on what you've seen from them so far? They play some decent football and I, I find the, the whole money ball angle very interesting and how they've, how they've sort of set up that club. Um, but it's hard to... I think they are on that... List, you know, as, as good as they are against some lesser teams, they're still in that sort of bottom half um, category. And it's hard to... So if I, if I had to go for score prediction... I'm after I'm after go with three 0 It just seems to be against against the bottom half teams. It seems to be a consistent result we're putting out um, this season. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, three nils. Uh, we're, we're getting into a bit of a habit on that one. Um, <laughs> Dan, um, are you fancying another emphatic victory? Uh, you're slightly less emphatic from me. Um, agree with everything Sam said in terms of Brentford. I've been really impressed. Um, you know they've come up and not took the lead by storm. That's that's over. That's overkill. But they've given it a go. Um, unlike Norwich so far this season. Um, so fair play to them for that. And a lot of time. Well, interesting the way they run the club. It's like sort of the um, the lower end of Moneyball. We're like the the top of echelons of Moneyball in terms of we tend to cherry pick the best players, and um, whereas they tend to try and. You know, mould them and sell them on, like your Neil Mopes, Ollie Watkins, etc. Um, but this time they managed to get themselves in the Premier League with Ivan Tony. So fair play to him. Um, and like I say, they are a threat, and especially at home. But having said all that, I still just back us to be too strong for them, um, like we should be, particularly at newly promoted sides. So I am going to go for what will be a difficult sort of first half an hour. Um, but we'll prevail with a goal either side of half-time and we'll win 2-0. Yeah, do you know what? I think this has the potential to be um, a bit of a an ugly an ugly one, in a way, just in terms of the the kind of win that we might need to, to dig out. Brentford have been, you know, I've only watched them, you know, live in the, the Arsenal game on the opening night, uh, which obviously... You know, it's a very memorable historic one for them, as it turned out. But uh, I think I'm right in saying the only games they've actually lost so far was against Brighton, and that was a a late goal. Um, so could have gone either way that game by the looks of it. So they've been really impressive with it. Really good win um, at Wolves uh, last weekend. Um, Ten men for a large portion of the game, and you know this was a Wolves side who I think people were kind of back into almost take off a little bit haven't got that that first win under their belt um you know after so long and after so so much xg uh but now Brentford have kind of stalled them against that was an impressive result and they look they look a good side um they look like they'll certainly be the highest finishing uh, of the promoted teams and I think the intensity that they play with plus the you know the atmosphere that um we'll see at the weekend um and also they seem to Certainly against Arsenal, they seem to really flood the but there seems to be no space at all um in the penalty area uh mm. in that game. So I think we can kind of expect to encounter that kind of really congested space where we're gonna need that little bit of 
inspiration. So, mm. yeah, I'm going to go for um, a tighter 1-0 uh, for this one. I've got a feeling that it's going to be... It's, we're going to find it quite tricky and that there might be a few a few scares uh, in this one. So, so, yeah, a bit more... Yeah, I mean, last weekend was against Palace was probably trickier than the scoreline suggested as well. So yeah, they had the moments. Just want to say on Brentford, if they attack corners like they have done this season, we might win six or seven nil. They put like every man in the box for an attacking corner, and we yeah, will just that's a good point actually. <laughs> that's a good point, but um, it's it'd be interesting to see. Actually, it's one of those tests in it where it's like, do you stick with? You know, your stylist, your principles, principles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you say, I'm going, this is probably arguably the most dangerous counter attacking team in the league. We might need to change that particular element of our tactics. So, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good, good point uh, there. But yeah, we've pretty much covered everything now. So, uh, Samuel, uh, we'll come to you. I, I think I forgot to mention um, right at the start that uh, you were a writer for, for this is Anfield. Um, but this is your opportunity to plug any work that you want our listeners to have a look at we make sure we give all our guests this chance no worries uh thanks guys yeah um i do write for this is anfield it's kind of a funny sort of relationship from the other side of the world but yeah. uh, i don't have anything super recent but you can find my author page through this is anfield samuel cox um or on tw- or through twitter i shared on my twitter as well which is samuel cox football it's f-u-t-b-o-l the Brazilian <laughs> spelling. Um, I do want to. I do want to put something out on um, Harvey Elliott in the next few days. So perhaps keep an eye out for that. Yeah. So thanks very much, uh, Samuel, uh, for coming on. And um, we'll put that link to your Twitter in the episode description. We'll leave it there for this week. Uh, we'll be back um, the middle of next week to review Porto and look ahead to another massive Anfield game against. Man City. So that's all for now. Um, Enjoy your weekend and we'll see you next week.